Hello and welcome to The Point of Everything. My name is Ono Sullivan and today's guest on the show is videographer, photographer, etc, etc, Bob Gallagher. He just held his very first solo photography exhibition called Force Perspective at the Dark Room on North Brunswick Street in Dublin. Alas, that's over. But don't worry, Brido Dunman was on hand to talk to Bob about everything that was involved with the show, from choosing the acts that featured in the exhibition to how they were shot and the technicalities that were involved. It's a really, really interesting exhibition. He's a really, really great videographer. He's done videos for the likes of Girl Band, Villagers, Pillow Queens, and many more on April 18th, Bob is also delving into the realm of the late night talk show with Under My Garage. It's an evening of discussion, music and live visuals exploring the work of Irish music video director Bob Gallagher. Described by, can you tell that I'm reading this off of the uh, of the, <laughs> the website selling tickets? Described by Werner Herzog as a good soldier of cinema. Gallagher's work to date has won him wide critical praise, a host of international awards and a unique place in the Irish music scene. Working with acclaimed Irish acts like Villagers, see, I told you, Saint Sister, Girl Band, see? Soak, Miles Manley, and more. His darkly comic style inviting such descriptions as lyrical as well as forensically evil from Rough Trade's Jeff Travis. So yeah, it sounds like that'll be a really fun night at the Button Factory. Announced guests so far include Conor O'Brien from Villagers, Pillow Queens, Miles Manley, Cal Folgerday, Brian Gwynn, who appears in uh, the villagers video for trick of the light that bob directed and more that will be confirmed and it features music from the under my garage house band so it sounds like it's going to be an interesting night as bob invites you on a journey through his subconscious transforming the button factory into the set of a fictional late night talk show to meet some of his closest collaborators like Connor, dissect his work watch some never before seen footage and find out where the bodies are buried and warning it will be weird. I don't know, is that a good thing or a bad thing? So it sounds like that's going to be really cool. Tickets are still available for that, so I'd say hop on them quickly. It takes place at the Button Factory on April 18, uh, between 8pm and 10.30. So here is Brido Dunvan sitting in the dark room on North Brunswick Street talking to Bob about uh, the exhibition, which is sadly over now, but hopefully we'll get a chance to see it again, just so you get an idea of what it was. They're portraits of musicians that are inspired by pieces of their work. These works showcase the visual flair and conceptual approach seen in Bob's music video work, but combine these qualities with an exciting analog 3D stills photographic process. Artists featured include Wastefellow, Loa, TPM, Nishiru, Villagers, The Clack, and Junior Brother. The show is a collection of inventive, moving image 3D portraits, as well as a series of unique black and white prints. So yeah, Bob is one of my favorite uh, directors. So I was really happy to get this perspective on Forest Perspective. See what I did there? Over to Breed now in the darkroom chatting with Bob Gallagher on the Point of Everything podcast. So I'm sat here with Bob Gallagher in the darkroom on uh, Brunswick Street in Dublin where his exhibition, Forced Perspectives, marks the end of his residency here at the darkroom. Uh, Bob is a director and a cinematographer, now photographer I suppose. He's based in Dublin as well and is known for his, what I would say, hilarious, sometimes absurd, <laughs> sometimes grotesque music videos uh, for the 
likes of villagers, pillow queens and girl band, just to name a few. So my first question is, why the venture into film photography? Where did it come from? I had actually done photography first before I did film for a year doing a portfolio course. Um, so I had done darkroom photography in Marino College probably about 10 years ago. And then just never really came back to it. Just one of those things I always, you know, loved taking photographs, but just didn't really have the time to do anything with it as far as doing a series or putting together an exhibition or anything like that. And then I'd seen, I think, I don't know where I saw it, Mela, who runs the dark room, had put up a thing about an artist uh, residency. And I kind of thought, actually, that might be a good way of getting back into it and having an excuse to put some photos together. And I'd been messing around with the 3D image stuff for about two years, but just messing, like I hadn't really figured out the best way of doing it or what would kind of work as a series or how what was the best way of of using it. So I had had notions about putting together some sort of show with 3D photographs at some point. So the residency was a good excuse to just get it together and get my yeah <laughs> get my act together. <laughs> There's nothing like a deadline to like, yeah, kick, kick you up the butt. So how did you come up with the, the whole series? And like you said, you were like waiting for that, that subject that would work. How did it happen? Origin, the original plan was to do a different series, which was also 3D portraits. But just in the time frame, getting the people involved to do it wouldn't have been really possible. But then because I'm doing music videos, like I'm kind of around plenty of bands, you know, there was no shortage of people to asked to come in and take photographs with and because the 3d format works as print but also as video clips so like you can see print from it's all shot on 35 millimeter film so you can print from the negative and make 2d prints out of it or you can stitch the images together into video clips the nice thing about having the video is that you can also use audio with it so it's a still image looped as a video but you have room there to include like say people's music I also did some stuff with dancers where I took 3D shots of dancers but then recorded the sounds of their steps, which didn't make it, wasn't in this series, it didn't make it into this exhibition, but down the line that's something that I'll keep keep working on. And then the other thing was to do portraiture, but then also have audio from interviews. You know, So you're looking at a picture of somebody but you're hearing maybe something about them at the same time. So that's something I'm still going to keep experimenting with. But yeah, music just seemed like the obvious the obvious one to go for first. I've noticed that you've spoken about these images in terms of like a collaboration with said artist. I think that's really interesting. And some of the, like even I was just looking at that image of Loa behind that, or in front of the stained glass window with the knives. Where did the ideas come about? They're brilliant. But it's just, they just seem like very like token Bob Gallagher, like like I said, kind of funny, a <laughs> little bit absurd, but really engaging. <laughs> Tell me about torturing people, Bob. Over to you. Um, just some everyday masochism. <laughs> so, no, masochism? Sadism. I was confused the two. Anyway, um, I mean, the other thing that was really nice about this series is that like, I'd be based here in the dark room and then people would kind of buzz in and out and then you'd have the different bands or artists kind of cross some paths and they would influence each other's photographs as well which was really just like a nice experience to be kind of at the sort of you know nexus of that and then so for example the first one I think the first one sort of 
idea wise that we come up with was Ronan from Junior Brother. At that stage, I didn't really know what I wanted to do, but I kind of knew that I wanted to do quite stagey theatrical stuff and draw on, you know, using things you'd use in films, so like using set design and lighting, as opposed to doing something that's like, you know, sort of documentary or naturalistic. So I was looking at a lot of David LaChapelle photographs, which are great because there's, they're obviously staged, you know, they're not, it's like hyper-realism. Um, you know, they're not real moments. But at the same time, you feel like you're capturing a moment in the middle of a story, and you can look at David LaChapelle's images and go like, there's some sort of story here. I don't know what the fuck it is, but something is happening and we've just caught this moment in the middle of it. So I quite like that exaggerated style. And then I'd shown Ronan a picture of um, Peter Laurie. And in the photograph, Peter Laurie is kind of backed up against the wall and there's a bunch of like fingers pointing at him. And it's got like just all you see is sort of suit jackets and hands pointing at him. And it's like a really striking image. And I, I was saying to Ronan, you know, that might, something like that might work well because... If you have something coming from behind the lens or towards the lens on the 3D format, it works really well because you see a bigger shift in perspective or it exaggerates the shift in perspective. That was something. And then I sort of suggested of having, you know, for, you know, we we're just kind of talking about, I suppose, what, how Ronan is perceived as an artist. If you're making music that is in a genre or in a sort of cultural tradition, you know, I guess like in interviews and things that tends to be what people fixate upon. So I mean, we're kind of talking about things that appear a lot in his music. So it's like a religious aspect to it. And then drinking is obviously a big part of it as well. But, you know, his big, the first song I think that really did well for him was Hung Over at Mass. So in the discussion around his music, those things come up a lot. And I quite like the idea of doing something that, you know, sort of takes the piss out of that a bit. And or you know draws attention to it in a hyper stylized way, which again is something that Dave LaChapelle does really well. So for example, like that image of um, Courtney Love holding the dead Kurt Cobain lookalike as a Pieta, you know that's really on the nose, but in such a way that it puts her back in control of that narrative or something, as opposed to it's not you know it, where maybe people are like whispering about Courtney Love and Kurt Cobain's like. Just like she just acknowledged it in that image, which I think is, you know, I think it was a collaborative thing between her and David LaChapelle, which I think is quite brilliant. We kind of talked about it from that point of view. And then I suggest the idea of like the Clancy Brother jumpers, like the, the just love the idea of like the Clancy Brothers trying to hand Ronan Pines and Ronan sort of backing away from them. Um, because I think with that kind of tradition, there's a lot of weight in being expected to sort of carry on a certain kind of tradition that could be artistically quite limiting. I mean, that's my outside perspective on him as opposed to you know Ronan necessarily feeling that but that's sort of what I came to him with and then he came up with the brilliant idea of well because originally I had you know four points against and he was like maybe we shouldn't do he's like you know that's there's a lot of references to drink in his work and he's like maybe we should steer it a little bit away from that um so he came up with the idea of filling the glasses with flowers which I thought was great it's one of those weird ideas that I don't know why it works but it works as a replacement for you know even there's like there's a one of the glasses a pint glass and it's just full of dirt and um sort of roots but it kind of looks like a pint of guinness and we were looking at kind of like i suppose in a weird way the elements of a pint of guinness probably do look like that in some at some at some <laughs> stage <laughs> so it's, it sort of worked but then actually doing that coming up with that idea with ronan then fed into what I was doing with other people as well. 
so you know all the images then became about having some sort of um antagonist outside the frame so the camera is either somebody is antagonizing the band from outside the frame so for example like the clack like you know they're being shushed by phantom hands in sort of dominatrix gloves and then like say with Saleh's one you know you've got the arms with the knives and it's quite menacing but then that becomes sort of a like a visual metaphor for being a performer where it's like you're always going to have a dynamic with the audience that you know they could be on your side they could not be on your side and you're always kind of putting yourself in a position of risking whether or not the audience is on your side and I suppose the photographs are trying to tap into that precarious I mean Saleh is more than anyone because she's literally dangling in front of a bunch of people with knives <laughs> with a giant scissors <laughs> coming in ready to cut her down <laughs> but at the same time she doesn't look scared you know she's no. she's quite powerful in that yeah. position at the same time but that one actually came about I'm not sure at what point the aerialism thing came in but just sort of out of nowhere Saleh was like oh by the way I also do Ariel's like, oh, of course you do. You do. You're good at everything. (laughs) 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 But I'm not sure if that was something. I'm not sure how that came up. But anyway, once she kind of said that and she showed me pictures of the space, I was like, oh, yeah, that'd be great to shoot that window. It just looks so brilliant. It's on George Street. It's above above Dunn Stores. Shout out Dunn Stores. (laughs) 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 Um, But then even, I, I think, Ronan probably put me on to the fact that TPM were playing a gig in Thomas House. And then I went to see that, which was brilliant. But on stage, then they, um, it was the day after Folk RTE came out and there's a line in about their transit fan. And when they were on stage, they were like, you know, um, you know, we have a transit fan, as everyone knows. Unfortunately, he got clamped today on the way to the show. And everyone's like, boo. They're like, that's okay. Our friend Sean came with an angle grinder and cut it off. And then like, I think Andrew looks like held up the um, the clamp on stage and he wore it for one song. I was like, God, oh, so brilliant. And then the next day I just happened to meet them in town and I just said like, oh, actually, do you sell that clamp? And they were like, yeah, we're going to sell it on Bandcamp for 500 euro. And I was like, right, before you sell it, could we take a photograph with you wearing it? Um, and I was thinking of, you know, the Beastie Boys when they... So like, there's a story where the Beastie Boys wore like, you know, the Volkswagen chain thing. And then there was a craze of like kids would just rip Volkswagen signs off cars. And then Volkswagen actually offered people free Volkswagen signs if they didn't steal them from cars. So they were like, just write to us and we'll give you one <laughs> so you don't have to damage people's cars. <laughs> so I wanted to start a um, car clamp chain <laughs> craze. But the, yeah, like there was a lot of crossover, I suppose, between them. And I say like Nisha came in. And she helped with Ronan's shot. So she's one of the arms in Ronan's shot. She might have actually... Oh, she helped with the villager shot as well. Ronan is in the TPM shot. He's one of the fingers flipping everyone off. The other person who's hidden behind TPM is Sean, who cut off the car clamp with the angle grinder. The real hero of the story. (laughs) There was a lot of overlap between the different artists, which was cool. It's really great hearing the story behind the images. And for, for me, it's, you know, everything's making a little bit more sense. Um, it seemed like the process was so organic that you just started with one idea and then it just kind of rolled into the next. Do you, is that how you approach work in general? I suppose I would presume the main bulk of your work is video based. Do you kind of allow that to happen? Or I suppose with video, a lot of it has to be planned. I think in a way doing this series was about getting away from 
plans and have you know whereas with the music video generally speaking you've got a budget and a deadline that comes from the label or the artist and you're kind of working towards that and they might have notes about what they want to achieve with it or something um whereas with this it was pretty loose like you know it could have gone any direction really the only sort of deal in that sense was that i would do the agreement with Mel at the darkroom was that I would do the 3D shots, shoot everything on 35mm, process myself, and then do prints as well. Because it's a black and white darkroom and the whole um, drive behind this place is to keep analog photography alive. So from her point of view, as long as I was kind of working with film and doing processing and printing, she was kind of happy for me to do anything really. The best case scenario, I think, even with music videos, is that you're collaborating directly with the artist and have as little as possible interference. Because it's kind of about, it's a combination of what they're trying to communicate with a piece of music and then your interpretation of that piece of music. But then also your relationship with that person totally informs what, you know, things that you know about them beyond the song definitely inform your approach, you know. And in a way, like, this is probably a continuation of the last video I did, which was with... Um, villagers and that was something like Connor and I just literally sat down and had a couple of pints and hashed out the idea there and then you know and it was very natural kind of process I really enjoyed going that way about it whereas generally speaking what happens is you don't necessarily have the direct communication with the artist and it's kind of mediated through the record label or management or whatever and something gets lost there because what you do is you go off and write a treatment and like so the worst case scenario of that for me was being asked to write a treatment for um, the shins, right? And I <laughs> wrote a treatment and I sent the treatment back to the record label. And they were like, we love it, it's great. And they were like, could you just shoot a test? So I shot a screen test for it, did that, sent it back. And they were like, we love it, it's great. And then, so I had done this sort of test piece and it was um, like a woman gorging herself on food in front of a man whose head was on a platter, kind of like, torturing it like this weird sort of like psychosexual food torture thing and then like they showed it to the guy who'd written the song from the shins and he was like this is a song about my newborn daughter like i don't think this really fits which is something i could never have known like it's not overtly in the song i could never have known that but had i known that and had i spoken to him for you know all of five minutes i mightn't have necessarily pitched the food idea (laughs) so i'm always just like kind of keen to engage directly with the artist. But another aspect of me doing this photography thing is I kind of realized, like say a music video, by the time you actually get to speak to the artist, it's like very late in the process and you've already written the idea and pitched it and everything. So I kind of thought this might be a way that I can work with people quickly and do some, you know, do one photo shoot, which, you know, takes an hour or two hours, work with somebody, see if we get on. You know, and see if there's more, maybe more collaboration to be done. But you figure out pretty quickly if you're kind of in tune with somebody or not. So I think going forward from this, I'd like to maybe continue the series and, you know, approach people that I want to work with to do a photograph. Dev Hines is like top of my list right <laughs> now. <laughs> Hello, Dev. <laughs> if anybody knows Dev Hines. <laughs> Shout out to Dev it's great you're going to like continue the series, but I think you'll have artists and musicians like banging on your door to be involved rather than you uh, approaching them because I think you've such a unique vision and I think you're kind of, you're, 
showing a new side to artists, I think, that may not have been done before. Say something with Junior Brother. I just couldn't imagine anyone else doing an image like that with him. They might have done something a little bit more traditional because of his, I suppose, genre of music, like we said. We spoke briefly before we started uh, recording about seeing things in print and the whole physical nature of what we do. How was the whole process for you, going from digital and video and probably sat at a desk a lot of the time, editing and writing, to actually being stuck, getting your hands dirty, maybe not literally because you have to wear gloves, don't you? How was that process for you? Definitely the physical element of it was something that I absolutely loved. So generally speaking, I'd get someone in, we'd shoot a roll of film, and then I would go straight away and process it. So it was all one continuous process. And in some cases, like I know Nisha and Ronan both came into the darkroom with me because they were just curious to see how it worked, you know. I mean, what I like about it is you feel like a scientist or something. Do you know, because you're there and you're mixing chemicals and there's so much excitement before you actually see if the image has turned out or not. And the thing, say, with the 3D camera, you can't even frame correct accurately because you're trying to frame for four different frames at once. And it's a range finder, which means the what you see when you look through the viewfinder is not exactly what's exposing on the negative. So it's rough, like, and sometimes you end up with things that you don't want to be in the picture. And, you know, there's there's no guarantees of how it's going to turn out or if it's going to be in focus because you can't change the focus on the camera, the flat, like the settings for it. You've got three apertures, so you have to get the exposure bang on, otherwise the, nothing will come out. So it's kind of risky. But then that's the fun of it is you're in the darkroom for 40 minutes, you know, putting it through chemicals and messing with it. And then by the end of it, you have a much stronger relationship with that image that comes out because it's like you've been through this ordeal together (laughs) but also like it's very calming I found being in the dark room because you just end up in a situation where for the next 40 minutes all you can do and all you can focus on is rotating chemicals in a tub back and forth and you you know the timing is has to be quite precise and the measurements have to be quite precise there's definitely something nice about having that craft element to it I also think in art that's really important and you should be getting your hands dirty, you know, because then it, you have your relationship to the physical object is much stronger. Because it's tactile, it's much nicer than video editing where you're a little bit removed from, from what you're working on. Then the printing process, so I would take the negatives and then I would scan them in to make the video clips. But then the prints, we ended up doing these like two meter by one meter prints, which are quite big. Um, so the process for doing that is that you put the negs in a big and larger, project it onto the wall, tape off where the paper is going to go, and this is all sort of in uh, subdued light, hang the paper, expose it, and then you have to roll it up and bring it into the dark room, and you hand wash it through the chemicals because it's so big. So the first stage is like you go through like a hand crank, and you literally roll the paper through the developer, and as you're doing that, you see the image come up, you know, which is just like a cool experience to have. And then you spend the next half hour washing it. You put it through the next set of chemicals and then another set of chemicals after that to fix it. And then you have to wash it for about half an hour, 45 minutes. Um, and they're quite unwieldy because they're massive. So myself and Mel ended up here until 4 a.m., two nights in a row, just trying to get the prints done. But then when they come out and you see them on the wall, like they're quite a... I never, I never really thought too much about the printing side of it because I was kind of focused on the video and using the 3D effect that way. But actually then when I saw the big prints, I kind of love them now. More nearly because they're, you don't really ever see prints like that because they include all the kind of blemishes and all the defects. 
and you're seeing the area of the negative that you just never really see in prints because generally speaking people crop in you know you just never see it people when you print you crop in beyond the the edges of the negative to reframe things and you know get like a nice clean image which is not really what this process is about because you don't have that much control to begin with do you think that kind of unwieldy process will kind of filter into the way you work now i suppose when you are like say working for a client working for a band i suppose you have to, to deliver it to a standard that they expect but how do you think it'll kind of infiltrate the way you deliver work now or is that something that you've thought about i mean definitely one thing i would like to do is to use this technique in video which i've been kind of messing around with a little bit but haven't quite found the perfect tracker you know the ideal candidate to do that with but at some point that's something i'll definitely look at in terms of approach i think maybe in future maybe one thing that i would do is rather than kind of jumping straight to working with somebody on a video maybe get them in and do a photo with them first and just see how that process works because then you get a good sense of whether or not you know that collaboration is going anywhere um so i think this yeah this might be a good way of continuing the series and still working with new people but then, you know, some of those relationships maybe then develop into doing videos together. Like, I mean, a lot of the bands I have done videos with in the past anyway. And then, you know, there's a few of these artists here that I haven't done videos with, but will do now. Do you know? So, yeah, yeah I guess this, this becomes part of that process then and kind of just building relationships with other artists. But as far as um, making things messier, yeah, if I'm allowed to. I'm just going to shoot everything on my phone for now. On. Um, no, I mean, one thing I'd love to do is to work on, do more shooting on film, on 16 millimeter maybe. But the thing is, you, don't, you rarely get the money to do that. So actually, I think one of the next videos I'm going to do will be with Strength NIA um, from Derry. Unfortunately, they couldn't be in the series. Mm -hmm. we, it just timing-wise didn't work out. But actually, funny enough, Rory influenced Nisha's shop because we were talking about witch trials that happened, I think, in South Armagh that he had been reading up about. So we've been talking about that a lot, and then that sort of bled into the idea for Nisha being burned at the stake. So even artists who aren't necessarily in the series were still sort of influencing and around it. And it was all kind of part of one conversation about doing photographs or doing videos, but ultimately just kind of finding people to collaborate with. So going back to like the, the whole inspiration and collaboration essence, which I just find so interesting. I think it's so important. And I, like everything that you've said is, I think so important for musicians to hear that, you know, you do need to build up a relationship uh, when you're producing work like this. And I know from the like photographer, videographer side of it, you want to produce work that's conducive with your style, conducive with like who you are and you want to be proud of that work like you want to just continually put out work that represents you and how are you going to do that if you don't have a relationship with these musicians when you have approached like some of these musicians and I suppose I'm not sure if everyone's a musician in this series do you come with them with like a rough idea of like how you think it should come about or do you say hey so I wanted to produce this 3D image these are maybe some examples of what I've done do you let them kind of go away and kind of stir up a little idea? Or do you kind of say, hey, so I had this idea. It's a bit mental, but how do you think about it? And then you see where they'll run with it. They were probably all, probably all a little bit different. But for the most part, I was trying to take a cue from a piece of music. I mean, the same as if I was doing a music video. 
so they would have a track that they were maybe had already released that were working on. So like say like for example Dylan Wastefellow, he had a song called On the Dry. Do you know? And I was like, well, what if we just throw glasses of Ribena at you? Which he was very up for. <laughs> Brave soul that he is. I mean that maybe came about more from a technique approach where I knew liquids would work really well, especially if it's liquid coming from behind the camera, that that would register well in 3D because the thing about this camera is you're shooting the exact same moment in time four times from the different perspectives. So anything that should be moving, that's sort of midair, if that was video clip, the next frame on, it would move a little bit more and the next frame on it would move a little bit more. Whereas in this instance, you're seeing four frames of the same moment. So things that should be in motion are completely frozen and the motion is just coming from the perspective of the camera. It's a bit like shit bullet time, like from the Matrix, like just way less sophisticated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think generally speaking, I might have had like a bit of an idea before getting into it with somebody, but then I'd sit down and chat with them about the song and what they liked about maybe photo shoots they'd done in the past or what they didn't like or because not you know not everyone loves being photographed and you know it's about doing it in a way that people are even though they all look really uncomfortable in these photographs it's about doing it in a way that they're comfortable with what is being presented about them so there was yeah there was always a stage where we would sit down and just chat about the song and chat about ideas and I would show references so yeah I'd maybe have like say with Ronan I had a couple of references like the Peter Larry photograph that I showed him and like even in that case like the references were not necessarily photographic like we talked a lot about um, Garcia Lorca the poet and especially when Ronan kind of brought in the idea of using the flowers like the, the quality he wants his music to have is an earthiness and that's like a very abstract you know that can mean a lot of things it's quite abstract but it gives you a good cue for where to go with the photograph and what what makes sense to have in that image it's like you know you're not going to see PVC gloves in that image because it doesn't wouldn't make sense for him and then the other ones I mean like Connor's one we had already done a video where he rips his heart out and I just something about that just very much encapsulates Connor that I thought it was worth getting on uh, as a photograph as well the clack one was interesting because even though I'd know them they're quite a new band so in terms of like relationship with their music or them as a band or what their image is as a band that didn't really exist you know, and I was kind of going like, well, what do you want to, what will your live show look like? Or how are you going to be dressed? Is there a dress code or anything? And they didn't really, they were kind of just open to whatever. So then I just sort of, I liked it. I mean, I liked the idea of the shimmer curtain. But we actually did a bunch of photographs of um, people blowing party. What are they called? Party blowers. People off camera blowing them at them. Because uh, clac, I think, is the name comes from a French word for um, basically hired applause at shows so the clack would be the group of people who were paid to come and applaud the show I think um, even if that's not true that's the idea that I had in my head of what it was so that very much informed the photograph so I kind of like the idea of doing it against the shimmer curtain and it being very deliberately performative and having you know initially was the idea was to have like people clapping in the foreground but then I thought it needed to be something a bit more aggressive or you know that there was like a, a more less comfortable dynamic between them and then we ended up with, because the track is called Hush, so I kind of said, like, how would you feel about me having a bunch of people stick their fingers in your face? And they were like, yeah, sure. Because there wasn't any sort of set idea of what they were visually. There was nothing kind of really in existence that that that, that, that had been kind of set at that point. So that was quite open. But I also think 
in these kind of photographs if you've got people who aren't necessarily you know, their job is not being photographed like they make music and being photographed is not something they're necessarily comfortable with but yet they're expected to be photographed quite a lot you know, if you're in bands and if you're performing so I always think it's nice to give people an action in that context yeah whereas it's very like if like I hate being photographed and if someone just is like, you know, just stand there. It's like, I have no idea what to do. And immediately I sort of feel like my hands are sort of five times bigger than they are. I'm like, what am I doing with my hands? Where do my hands go? And I think that's a, re- that's a less comfortable situation for somebody to be in being photographed when they just don't know what to do. So actually giving people direction and saying, like, this is what's happening. You're reacting. And giving people something to react to, I think, is good. Because even if you're not an actor, if somebody jams their finger in your face, your expression will, will, will probably <laughs> match it, you know. Because it probably, you know, it's, it's not comfortable but it was fun you know it was fun and it was all kind of they were into the sort of fun side of it being ridiculous like yeah and I mean some of the like if you walked in on some of those shoots like they were just very bizarre (laughs) scenes like I mean Nisha's was probably the toughest in the sense that she was outside at night time it was quite cold and she had to we had to light three sparklers and also light the match that's in her mouth and the match kept blowing out and then at one point the match set fire to her (laughs) (laughs) but she was such a trooper about it but yeah hers was probably because she's also wearing like they're real chains so the chains were cold and they're heavy it was still quite fun to do that shoot there was a good kind of element of teamwork too where you've got five or six people all standing around just trying to get this one shot like and the amount of takes we did with the match almost lit and then the match blew out just as the photograph was taken. Yeah, so I mean, in all, ca- all those cases, discussion around what the costumes would be and what the poses would be, that all took place between me and the person in the image, yeah. you know, and they were like very involved. All of them were very involved in that, those discussions. And even so, in some cases, we did test shots to see how the action would work or, you know, we do a test shot and look back at that and kind of go, actually, what this needs is, generally speaking, more arms. Yeah, just to kind of get across, get across the tone and the framing. Do you know, like, say, in niches, like, we shot a test roll and we looked back at that and thought, actually, the, the angle that is the nicest, that is the most dramatic is, she's actually, her head is quite close to the lens and I'm up on a stepladder yeah. getting that shot. But, I mean, I think she's she got very striking eyes anyway, so it's like that immediately jumps to the front of the picture yeah. when you're in that kind of high angle that worked really well we did try other things but that just seemed to really work so no i mean i haven't really had a chance to discuss them with people since like having seen them in the exhibition now it'd be interesting to see how people feel about them you know especially when they're like massive on a wall but i think they're all pretty happy, generally speaking. I, I hope so. so. <laughs> <laughs> the episode two of this should just be everyone like complaining about how torturous it was to work with me. <laughs> the punishment is that everybody gets to do back to me what I did to them in their photographs. So I get set on fire, splashed in the face, poked in the face, have to rip my heart out, dangle myself above some knives. TPM, TPM got off lightly, in fairness. Yeah. They're probably the one, interestingly, the one relationship with the camera where there's no, I guess the antagonist is RT because the song's called Fuck RT, but it's kind of like everyone's with them. Like, <laughs> there's, there's no there's no antagonist coming from off camera. So they, they kind of come out on top, really. Yeah. Uh, 
so tell me, what's next for Mr. Bob Gallagher? Uh, you mentioned that you're going to OMA for a while. Um, yeah, so I'm starting an artist residency in OMA for three months. The West Struel Art Centre. I'm going to be doing community artwork. So doing a bit of kind of big workshops and then some smaller workshops with teenagers. And then also doing some documentary work. I mean, I'm also maybe going to use that. Like, I'll be based in OMA, but I'm going to use that space to try and get people to come to me to work on projects so videos or photos like the art center there is quite good um, like they have quite good equipment and facilities so i'd love to bring bands up and i mean i'm already i think for the lowest stuff i think Saleh is going to come up and we're going to record some vocals and then strength and ia we have a plan to shoot a video while i'm in the residency as well so basically just continuation of what i'm doing here i suppose but in Alma, po- post-Brexit <laughs> post Northern Ireland, which will be interesting. 